Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that pride themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host and new father to a beautiful new baby, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, it's, uh, we're back. It's, it's going pretty well. It's been an eventful month, but uh, basketball will be here before you know it. So ready to talk about the Kings with you and Jerry today. Like Amen old times. Like old times. It's yeah. been that long. It's old times now. <laughs> He's a former Sacramento King head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French Lick himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, absolute pleasure to have you here. Well, it's great to be with you guys. Uh, missed you a lot and uh, really happy for Tony. I'm glad you Thank found you. out, uh, you know, how to make those things. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's... <laughs> that's the one part I can, could figure out. The rest of it, I don't know. <laughs> So we are back from our time away and refreshed, uh, at least for me and Jerry, and uh, ready to talk about all that's happened. And uh, that's not much. So uh, we can start off with the, with the big news that has, that's dominated the Sacramento headlines since we've been gone. Uh, the Sacramento Kings signed 36-year-old JaVale McGee to the squad after he was waived by the Dallas Mavericks. McGee reportedly signed with the Kings over the Warriors, who were hot on his tail, um, obviously settling for his uh, relationship with Mike Brown over anything that the Warriors might have. Uh, it sets the big man rotation as Sabonis, McGee, and Alex Len going into the season. Guys, what do you say to JaVale McGee, Sacramento King? I like the signing. I really did. I, uh, you know, um, I mean, I think he's a very limited player at this time of his career. Not that he was uh, ever a top, top level starting center or anything like that. But I think with this team, you know, he brings the one thing they didn't have. And, uh, and certainly uh, in my opinion, you know, certainly Nerland's Noel, is, he's better than Nerland's Noel in my mind by quite a bit. So, uh, yeah, I liked it. Another good move by by the Kings. Yeah, there there are so many uh, instances in JaVale McGee's career what I, where I would have hated having him on the team. <laughs> but this is the perfect one where I, I kind of like it. Like at this stage of his career, he's had enough successful stops in a, as a in a limited role player for good teams that I kind of trust him more than I had in earlier in his career. And, you know, there's a Mike Brown connection. I think he oddly like fits the Kings vibe really well now, just with how JaVale McGee has been over, I don't know, really since he turned 30, like the, the late stage JaVale McGee has been a very good player, both on the court in limited minutes and in the locker room for a lot of these teams. So I'm excited to have him here. I'm, I'm surprised at how excited I am. And I think he is probably the best option that we've, I mean, we've been talking about backup centers for, months if not years now and i think he's he's probably the best option they've had in a while in that spot you know one uh, couple of stories on him you know we of course like a lot of teams had him in for the draft when yep. he's coming out of uh university of nevada and and uh you know he was taken probably a little higher than he should have been uh but he you know we felt he just wasn't mature enough and ready to play <laughs> which i think was proven out to be the case uh, took him several years as Tony pointed out and certainly I've watched him and I think just exactly as Tony said I mean he's been a valuable player limited valuable player on winners uh, but I go all the way back to when he's a little kid uh, he uh, his mother uh, Pamela McGee was playing on the Monarchs the first year I took over 
and he was a little guy running around. He was a pain in the ass, really, is what he was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so I traded his mom. So I, I you know, between, <laughs> I traded his mom, and and uh, you know, but it, it was the right move, <laughs> and, yeah. and so so there's that. Right move for who? The daycare at the arena, or for you, Jerry? Well, for, actually, for, it was a win-win. It really sure. was, and, and it was it was good for her because I I got along with her okay. I mean, but she wanted to go back to L.A. because she was a big star at Southern Cal, sure. you know, on one of the great teams, and and so you know we just had to go a different direction, younger and faster, and all that sort of thing. But anyway, so. So anyway, yeah, it was a win-win, but it really was a win for us because the team got better and didn't have JaVale, little JaVale running around. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Who they, They're a casual Kings fan, if there ever was one. And uh, they had heard JaVale McGee's name, and they were imagining Washington Wizards JaVale McGee. And it, it flabbergasted them when I said, well, he's a three-time champion now. He's an Olympic gold medal winner. Like, he is – by all intents and purposes, a veteran leader, I guess. But he, that person who had tuned out of the NBA for the last 10 years was absolutely floored by the fact that JaVale McGee was now considered like a good veteran presence in a locker room. So I, I I would have been equally shocked if you told 20 year old Will JaVale McGee is, is a guy that I'm happy to have in the locker room, but that's kind of where we are. I think. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, you know, his first three or four years, he, he just, he wasn't ready. Which yeah. is not unusual, yeah. but uh, to his credit, uh, he's found a way to, you know, stay in his lane and be very valuable. He's ready now. So, of course, after signing McGee, the Kings uh, had had to waive uh, the previously signed Nerlens Noel uh, and also uh, G League favorite Amias Kada. Kada's now on a two way with Boston. Um, any comments on either of those two big men not coming into camp for the Kings after signing those those little uh, make it deals with the Kings? Well, I, I, you know, I thought the Kings really improved themselves, McGee, over both of those players, and Nerlens Noel, a more veteran. If if they could have, just my opinion, if they could have just kept one of the two, it'd been Nemias, but because uh, I still think there's a, a chance he might find a find a niche and, and find a way to, to to have a career. But I mean, I think Nerlens has kind of been there, done that. We know who he is and who he isn't. Probably more important. Yeah, to me, this is a, a situation where the, you know, I was mildly excited about Nemias Keita for a third year. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of liked his potential, but then there was always the question, well, is Mike Brown ever going to play him? And I had the same feeling about Nerlens Noel. Like, there's parts of Noel that I like, but is Mike Brown ever going to play him? And I think with JaVale McGee, the big difference is you've got a player who I'm pretty confident Mike Brown is going to play. So to me, it was a, it was an easy easy choice if you're Monty McNair of the Kings. Like, Mike Brown, is a he trusts certain guys and I feel like the trust level with JaVale McGee is just going to be there where it never got there with Kata, and it probably wasn't going to get there with Noel. It wasn't there. Where we had Metu. It wasn't there. Where we had Len. Those guys are all in and out of the rotation so frequently. I think he's finally, he finally has a guy that he trusts in McGee and he's McGee's older now too. So it, it might not work. You know, at some point you stop being effective. So that's always on the table, but I do think this at least gives Mike Brown a guy that he actually really likes in that spot. Yeah. And you know, too, I think in, in, with coach brown he's looking to win now this is yes. not a developing team mm-hmm. uh you know and and at some point it's like well yeah probably alex lynn is better than the mice right now mm-hmm. and and he's a second or third string so what's the point if you need you know there'll always be those guys out there yeah. <laughs> i mean they'll there always will be uh it's it's always tough getting the top three or four guys. It's not hard to, to get the 12th, 13th, and 14th. Yeah, Jerry, I think you spoke to a good point there that we are not a developing – or the Kings are not a developing team anymore. And as fans, we almost have to adjust to our attitudes a little bit. Me, me I'll, I'll be a tanker forever. We, we could win a championship, and I'd be like, yeah, but we could go for that that, that number one pick next year. But, like, Cato's one of those guys that, like, I think he just got caught up at the wrong time. The Kings – had time to develop him when the Kings were bad. The Kings were suddenly very good, very quickly. And they, now they need those, those roster spots to play well right away as soon as they come in and not take two or three or four more years to develop. One other move that was made for a big guy uh, in Sacramento was the Kings signed uh, kind of out of the blue. Uh, they got a Scalabissier on a partially guaranteed deal. 
then uh, pretty much turned right around and released Scow. This allowed the Kings to uh, keep him around on their G League roster if they choose to do so. Uh, any hope at all for you two in um, the uh, the former future uh, Kings standout? I think there's hope. Uh, you know, he's a big that can shoot. You know, I mean, he really can. And, uh, you know, really one of the nicest young men the Kings have had probably in the time I've been with the Kings. And therein lies the fault. Uh, he's too nice. Uh, you know, he's a, a true gentleman where you don't need to be a gentleman. Let's put it that way. But, but I mean, I do think, you know, it, it's a, a nice, really nice look. You know, he's a 6'11 guy that has had 30-point games in the NBA and certainly had decent stats in the G League. Uh, still young, uh, high-quality character guy. Is he ever going to lead you to the championship? Well, of course not. But that's not what you're looking for right now. So, you know, and, and you know, going back to what you just said earlier, you know, I really enjoyed reading Greg Wissinger had a, a, a column about uh, fan expectations. Well, they've changed, and and certainly Monty McNair and and Coach Brown know that, and so everything they're doing is based on we, you know, whether we need to get better because uh, it's it's being expected now, and, and that's the way it works. I don't have a whole lot of hope for Scale, but. I'm glad Jerry can confirm that he was a nice guy because that, that was the fan like take was like, Oh, Scal's so nice. Like I love Scal. How can you not root for him? And I feel the same way now I'm rooting for him. It's cool that he's back. I thought it was a, uh, when I saw that tweet come across my timeline, I thought it was a fake tweet. I was like, Scal, like where, where they, where they find him? Like, where's he been the last few years? Um, so it's a cool story. I'm glad he's back. I hope he can make something of his career at this point. And he, he kind of has a good opportunity, I think, in like he's another Kentucky guy. So he's very familiar with a lot of the player ecosystem here. There, there must know, like, I'm sure there's a lot of relationships with Scale. And also, if he's looking for an NBA comp on, on who he should be, I think Trey Lyles is right here as the guy that Scale should sort of mold his career after, where you're not trying to do too much. You can shoot a little bit. You can play hard. You can play the four and the five in certain situations. So, so I guess if Scal can figure it out anywhere, maybe, maybe he'll do something here with the Kentucky guys and with Trey Lyles, who is showing him what he needs to do, basically. Yeah, you know, I mean, really, he is one of those guys that you don't see many of them, but I mean, he just simply needs to get some shit bird in him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he just does. And so, so I, I gotta I gotta tell you though, I got a kick out. I can't remember what uh Harold uh commenter said it but they said labissier has been rescalibrated i thought that was a, <laughs> i thought that was a classic you know so there's there's talent on the king's herald that's for sure yeah. you would have used that one jerry i yes. feel like that's a good I jerry have, i would have oh i would have yeah i would have used that in a minute oh that's great uh so uh last piece of immediate king's news chris haynes of bleacher report reported last week uh that uh, Sacramento Kings are uh, converting a uh, local native guard, Jordan Ford, to a two-way contract. What kind of impact do you guys see Ford making on the Kings this year, if any at all? You know, I don't know, uh, obviously, uh, but I sure like the way he played in summer league. The guy, uh, I think he, he deserves it. I mean, uh, just, uh, just to be cut to the chase, uh, if nothing else, you know, I mean, certainly I, I think he's an improvement over the talent they had last year at the, you know, the kind of third string guard. It's not, uh, not taking shots at anybody, but uh, he can shoot the three. Uh, he's small, but the guy's tough. You know, I mean, he's a, he's a gritty kind of a TJ McConnell kind of guy. And I've always liked TJ McConnell. Yeah. And uh, I didn't have any intentions of liking him as an NBA player when it started. And I don't, I mean, I realized he had a great career and, in high school and everything, but I just think he's one of those guys that has gotten better and better. Uh, you know, uh, you know, we've, we've seen that with some, some guards over the years that, that took several years to find their niche. And, and I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against him. Tony, what about you? What do you think about Jordan Ford? I, I like everything he did in summer league. And it's, I, I mean, that, that means more or less to depends on who you're talking about, you know, how much summer league matters, but I thought he did a very nice job and we've seen guards 
in the summer league on this Kings team that I would never want to see again. So the fact that you can be a point guard for a summer league team and make me actually want to see you play more in the NBA counts for something to me anyways. So we'll see if he gets a real opportunity here, but I think it's, it's always good. I think it's a good look for an organization to reward a guy like this who has been in their system and continue continually passes tests. And then you finally give him a shot in the NBA. Now that you have a, a two way contract open. So Great job by Jordan Ford to make it. That's like his story is the coolest part of this. I don't know if he'll ever make it in the NBA, but the fact that he was able to grind it out and get a two-way contract with the Kings is is awesome for him. It's a good look for the franchise. So I'm rooting for him, but you know, these are always long shots. We're going to roll from Jordan to Jordy. Uh, Jordy Fernandez recently won a bronze medal um, at the World Cup with Team Canada, a first for the Maple Leaf loving neighbors that we have here. Um, he did it by beating Team USA in overtime. Um, guys, first off, did you watch any of the World Cup at all? And uh, if so, did you guys uh, watch that final game between uh, Jordy Fernandez versus the world? You know, I did watch uh, some of it, not not as much as I have in the past. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jordy, I mean, uh, he's on the short list going forward. I mean, I think he's met all the criteria. And so, you know, I think probably both Canada and USA felt that, that they should have done better. And I would probably tend to agree with that, not that a lot better for Canada, but uh, they had a nice team. And, uh, but the, you know, world games are world games is tough. And, you know, a little quick shout out to our former guy, Bogey Bogdanovich had a tremendous yeah. Yeah. tournament was all, all world or whatever they, they do. So uh, yeah, it's, you know, a lot of talent uh, there. And as the USA found out that uh, they're going to have to, get more of the top talents here in America if they're going to seriously uh, contend for gold. Yeah, maybe they should rethink the De'Aaron Fox black ball from Team USA. I would That would be my first piece of advice. Um, Jerry can probably mention a bunch of assistant coaches that were better than Jordy Fernandez in Sacramento, but for me, from the fan side, from the years I've been watching, I've never felt better about an assistant coach here in their ability to eventually become a very good NBA coach. So I just think it's an unfortunate matter of time before someone takes him from us. And uh, until then, I will enjoy having him around because he seems like a really awesome assistant coach who will make a good um, head coach someday. Jerry, is uh, it's Jordy up there with Elston Turner? Well, I, I love Elston and uh, there's several others over the years, but, but I mean, you can't, it's hard to judge those things, Yeah. but in my mind uh, with what Jordy has done, uh, you know, it, it rates right up there. And so he, and he's young. Yeah, uh, he clicks all the boxes. I mean, he really is. I know he's on the short list uh, around the league, and so he'll get his chance. He'll get his chance. Just you know, as as uh, assistants do, they they generally don't uh, get their first chance with a national world championship contender. Let's put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, I'm curious. How much do uh, wins in international competitions like this matter to GMs? How much do those types of wins, where they're coaching pieces from various rosters from all over the world. How much does that matter when you go into hiring a head coach? I think a little bit, uh, mainly because there's much more talent that uh, is worldwide in the competitions. And so, yeah, I think it means a lot more than it used to. Uh, so, you know, I think the only thing for, for uh, you know, him going forward is to hopefully the Kings continue to win and, and, you know, kind of be out front because, when uh, you're getting an assistant coach to be a head coach, you uh, you know, the press conference, it, it's always goes better if you're hiring somebody off a winning team. <laughs> and so uh, as the Kings were last year, and of course, so yeah, I think it, there's no downsides to it, especially since he did a nice job and certainly got a lot of attention. So uh, does that mean, you know, I've always said on the NBA, it's the only place where, you know, one guy can, uh, you know, hire somebody that makes no sense at all. That's the owner <laughs> based on, you know, based on whatever. And uh, so, so you just, you know, it's harder to do that in college or even high school. You have to basically go through a process and the NBA, you know, it'd be like, Hey, on a whim, I like him. Let's hire him. Okay. So we're going to roll now into um, as the King's trial does every year, they go through the month of September and they ask the 30 most pressing questions heading into the next season. Um, boy, howdy, do we have some good ones already to go over? So without any more pomp and circumstance, let's jump into some of these. Um, the first one um, that I want to mention is, uh, it was an article by Greg. Uh, what will Harrison Barnes role be this season? 
I, I think his best role would be off the bench. That's just my opinion. Uh, I don't know just how soon they get to that. I think his character is such that that would uh, be good for him uh, because he'd be good at it uh, as he is as a starter. And it would, he could really t take his career out a few couple extra years. And he's a kind of a two position guy. So, you know, I'm just at the time, the sooner you get Keegan there, uh, the better off you're going to be. Yeah, I was thinking about how to answer this question for Harrison Barnes's role. Do, do I want to take it from like a starting versus bench angle? I think the the safest thing I'll say about Harrison Barnes's role next season is I hope that Keegan Murray can can uh, pass him in the offense offensive hierarchy. I guess is kind of the a loose way I'll talk about Harrison Barnes's role. Like I hope he is now the fifth option in the starting unit if he's going to be the starting unit, and that's not on Harrison Barnes. I think it's more on Keegan Murray to go take those shots in those minutes. Cause there were times in the season where the Kings needed Harrison Barnes to step up and to score more and to uh, get the ball in his hands and get a bucket. And I hope Keegan Murray is so good this year that they don't need to rely on those moments from Barnes as much. And Keegan Murray is now, you know, in the 17, 18, 19 points per game. And instead of like fighting out Harrison Barnes for that third option role. Well, you know, too, I, I think it's, uh, you know, with Sasha added to the mix, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that really, you know, I don't know how they're going to work everything, but uh, obviously he can play some three and four, just like Harrison can. Trey Lyles is a four and five. So, you know, you're looking at several legitimate players. And that, uh, so, uh, but I'm with Tony. I mean, I think that Keegan has to go, go show you he can do more like he did in the California Classic. But if he's just going to be a spot up shooter now and then, that's not enough. Jay, I was curious when you said you you wanted to move him to the bench. Do you see that as the result of a trade, or do you see that as a result of moving Sasha to the four, or moving Keegan down to the four and and replacing him at, with a three somewhere else? Well, that, and that's a good question. I, I you know obviously that's going to be a coaching question uh, whether Sasha could be better as a four, a small four or a three, and I, and I think that's the same question with Keegan. I mean, I think with Harrison, we kind of know who Harrison is, and, and that's not a, a slap on him. I mean, he is who he is. I, I don't think you can expect him to be a better player. And in and, and my mind, that's why if, in fact, you could feel comfortable with those two guys uh, being productive right at the start, uh, sorted out that way, and then Harrison fell in the gaps. Uh, and really, uh, and Harrison's young enough to where – this may add a couple of years and value to his career. Okay. So the next one we've got here is uh, an article written by Aki. It's um, can Chris Duarte bounce back from his sophomore slump? And I might even push you to say, will Chris Duarte bounce back from his sophomore slump this year? I think it's a, a good chance that he will. I mean, you know, who knows, but, but I think the fact he played so well with, uh, with Sabonis and, and, you know, and, and he's, what little I've watched of him, he's not really a one-on-one -on -one kind of guy. He needs, he moves well without the ball. He can really, he can shoot it, catch and shoot, uh, you know, the dribble handoffs, all that kind of stuff. Uh, fits, you know, he's got that kind of game and that's the kind of game, you know, it's kind of called for here. So, so why not? I mean, the big thing, there he was hurt quite a bit last year and so you know you've got to be available Tony you were the one who interviewed uh Caitlin Cooper uh Pacers writer uh do you think uh do you think Duarte bounces back this year I do think he bounces back his story kind of reminds me of Dante DiVincenzo in some ways where he he had a promising early career he got injured and, and people kind of were trying to figure out if he was going to be a good NBA player or not his shot kind of failed him we saw the tail end of that injury run with him in Sacramento here and then he kind of gets healthy, has a full offseason of training, and has a really strong year with Golden State last year. And I think that's kind of the hope with Duarte, where he was promising, got injured. People were kind of uh, jumping off the bandwagon, questioning if his rookie year was legit. But now he's had a full offseason to train, uh, new team, um, but with players he's familiar with. I think all the stars are kind of aligning for him to, to come have a comeback year, much like it was a, a great spot for DiVincenzo last year with the Warriors to kind of have a comeback season. So I think he has it in him. I think there's a, a great spot for him as the backup three or, or backup two, depending on where Monk and Herter play in, in uh, bench rotations. But I think there's a good role for him here. 
Uh, the, the Kings don't need him to do that much in this role either. Like he just needs to be a pretty steady player to show some value to Mike Brown in this team. So I think I think he can and will, but it's certainly not not a guarantee, which is unfortunate because you would like every rotation uh, player on a team that has this high expectations to kind of be locked in and you feel comfortable about it. I'm not a hundred percent, you know, locked in that Duarte is going to be the guy, but I think he's a really good option and has a, has a very good chance of having a good year for the Kings next year. You know, one last thing I say too, I, I thought it was a great signing uh, and I'm with Tony. I don't know how good he's going to be. I mean, but the point is he's great insurance. Yeah. He's absolutely great insurance. Uh, and you know, the Kings really, there'll be a point where they're going to need that, yeah. Yeah. that, uh, you know, if, if Herder were to go out 30 games, I, I honestly think you could feel you wouldn't be just totally devastated if uh, Duarte, you know, could could probably step in there and do a lot of the same things. Maybe not as well, but but well enough to get you through the night. Sure. Is is his ceiling for this uh, on this squad uh, the third the third shooting guard or the second small forward? Do you guys see him playing more one than the other, or is he just going to be kind of a patch and play? Where the Kings need him to play that night is where they're gonna where they're gonna throw him. Well, I think he kind of has to be a patch and play guy. I think he can play some small forward against certain matchups because he's not that big, and of course the Kings are play small anyway so much so. Uh, when they again against a lot of teams that that do, but I think he'll be a you know kind of a, a spot two and a spot three. That's that that's kind of it. Yeah, I view him as one of these guys that's going to have a fluid role until the Kings make a trade because I do think a trade is coming at some point with the guards they have. We haven't talked about Davion yet, but there's like minutes issues there. You have Monk and Herder. Maybe there's a, a minutes issue there if Monk continues to play as well as he has. Um, you've got Colby Jones and, and other players that are sort of in the mix here. And I feel like Duarte's position will become more clear once the next move is made, but I don't know when that's happening or, you know, that might not, that might be a year down the line, but until that happens, he's going to kind of be like Jerry said to me, a, a very fluid player that can kind of play everywhere until this, until they actually figure out what this final rotation looks like. Okay. So this next one was a, uh, this is actually a reader submission. This was from uh, Zach Venero. Uh, he he did a fantastic job writing this one. So all all the all the props to to Zach for uh, reaching out to us and and being able to write something well enough that it gets through Greg to get published. Actually, um, so this is a can the Kings crack the top fifteen in defense this season? Uh, they could. I I wouldn't you know bet the uh, Reynolds uh, home on that. <laughs> uh, Mr. Reynolds might uh, might question that judgment, but. Uh, I think they'll be improved. And I think we honestly, as a Kings fan, I think we can live with that because I, what I really think is uh, they, they went all in on offense yeah. and I, uh, and I don't see a thing wrong with that. I mean, I know they wanted to get some pieces that would probably give them a chance to get better defensively more than they, it looks like they will be now Well, they, they, you know, you can't get what you can't get. Uh, and so I'd just think, hey, with, you know, Vesenkov and, uh, you know, with the players they've got, you know, Duarte, and so, so they've added some a little more offensive potential. So by being a little better defensively and a little better offensively, guess what? You're a little better. Tony, as Zach mentioned in his article that uh, Deuce and Moe cited that uh, on the road, the Kings were eighth in, in in defensive rating this this past season. Do you think they can? Uh, do you think they could squeeze that out this season, or or are we uh, are we relying on 140 points a game? Well, 15 is such a low bar that, that, <laughs> that yes, they could. I mean, if you, if you don't even have the potential to crack the top 15, you're in trouble. So I mean, they could do it. That isn't like I would place my bet on Javale McGee being pretty good, like we talked about already. I would place my bet on Chris Duarte being pretty good. I wouldn't feel comfortable placing a bet on this defense being anything more than average. Average would be to me a tremendous win. Could I mean of course it could happen, but I just don't see the personnel that on this roster that are good defenders. It would be a situation where a team that has really besides Davion and I guess now JaVale McGee zero like above average defenders becoming a good defensive team. Yes, I guess it could happen, but I would I would make that bet if they had good defenders on the roster. That just has not been the players they've targeted. So can Mike Brown make magic happen? I mean, I think the point of the 30 question series is that you could argue either direction for the answer. So yes, maybe it could, 
but that's just not the way that this team has been constructed. You know, and the other thing too, I know uh, a lot of us were, you know, were pleased overall with the defense in the Warriors series, but the thing, you know, we tend to forget are, is that they, they let a lot of stuff go. The officials, it was yeah. a lot different than regular season. <laughs> and so it was tougher to get baskets. And, and so it'll be back to square one once the season starts. And, and, you know, I thought the point of about the road record and the good defense on the road. And I think that, that is the question needs to be solved is get better at home. Yeah. You know, why, why is it you can guard <laughs> people at home you, or on the road and you can't at home. That's really, a, I don't know if, Honestly, if that's ever happened to where you've had a team that w- was better on the road than they really were. Uh, so, but that's a good sign. It's like, geez, all you got to do is get better at home. Well, okay. That's, that's a nice problem to have. It's the Sacramento nightlife, Jerry. It's undefeated. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I was going to say, yeah, that's uh, you know, guys will get here and they're just, uh, you know, whatever. I don't know. Uh, you know, with the play with the visiting teams, they probably get so much rest that they're really <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> best night's sleep in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay, so we're gonna move on now to uh can, and I will again preface this anytime I say can, we're also gonna go with a will. Um, can or will Davion Mitchell find his three-point shot this season? And this article is written by Bryant. Well, Greg, you know, I don't think it's ever been that bad. It just hadn't been good enough. It's a little bit like De'Aaron Fox. You know, I mean, it's one of those things. It's still a work in progress. Uh, you've, you've seen seen some uh, progress. I, I do kind of don't get excited about saying, well, he worked with Steph Curry's shooting coach. Because yeah. let me tell you something, he didn't. That would be Del Curry. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And so, so all the rest just that's just bullshit. I mean, sounds good and all, but uh, but it, and it's and it could work out good. Don't get me wrong. But uh, Steph was a finished product uh, long before. You know, really, you think some shooting coach came in and made Steph uh, who he is today? <laughs> I don't think so. You know, come on, come on. It's the easiest <laughs> anyway, job in the NBA. Yeah. So uh, you know, that's like being. Uh, Ted Williams hitting coach or something, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, but yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, you, you, you really want to see it because as Tony pointed out earlier, I mean, Davion's a guy that has an impact on the defensive end. He does every game. Yeah. And, uh, and like I say, teams actually kind of scout for him and things. And I'm still pissed. They wasn't playing against, uh, Steph in game seven, but uh, that's just me. I, I, I'll i never understand that rationale, yeah. but especially the second half when it was, yeah. you know, but anyway, okay, I'm, I'll get over it. <laughs> no, we won't. No, no, Jerry. I'm with you. None of us will, I promise you. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Tony, what do you think? Is Davion going to find his three-point shot this season? I, I have become such a Davion Mitchell believer that I, I want to say yes here so bad. I, I kind of hate the hard work um, cliche that people put on certain players and not on others. They're all, they all work hard. They're all NBA players, but a lot, uh, a lot of people who try to be good at shooting less than Davion become pretty good shooters. Davion is really trying to make this work. Uh, we know about how much practice he puts in. I don't care what shooting coaches he works with. So I, I would like at so- to think that at some point, all that output is going to result in a better three point shooter. Um, but he wouldn't be the first player to put all that work in and never figure it out either. So he hasn't proven it in the NBA thus far. I, I like that. He's not like a non-shooter. He, he can come into games and hit threes for you uh, over a season. The average is not great, but he's not a non-shooter. So I, I am hopeful that he can figure that part of his game out because it really is. I don't know. Maybe someone can think of something else that's that he can improve on. That's holding him back more, but I feel like that is the thing that is holding him back most um, at least from being a, a more positive contributor on this team. So I'm hopeful that he can figure it out. And if I had to, again, if we're placing bets here on what direction this is going to take, I would say at some point he does figure out how to be an average three-point shooter. I don't know if he'll be in Sacramento long enough to figure it out here, but he's still young enough that I think he will figure that out. Yeah. Jerry's favorite, uh, Jerry's favorite comp for him, uh, Kyle Lowry didn't, didn't shoot three-pointers well at all. I mean, it was, we're talking 25 and 27% until his fourth season uh, uh, his uh, his second with Houston, where he shot thirty seven percent. So that's Jerry. That's my comp. Every time somebody says anything about Davion, I immediately go to Kyle Lowry's uh, basketball uh, reference page just to be like, All right, when did Kyle Lowry do it? Okay, we're still on the blueprint is still there. We are still on track with uh, with Davion Mitchell. 
Yeah, you know, I think sometimes you you really got to go to that. I I mean, I don't know if he can be Kyle Lowry, but I know he's as good or better than Kyle was his first two years. Yeah. And he was ever bit as good or better than Kyle in college. And he's got the work ethic now. You know, work ethic uh, is a start. I mean, you'll get there. But but as, as Tony pointed out, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's traded at some point. But, you know, it's also true that that he's developed – value around the yes. league yep. yeah you know uh so so it's always an asset you know he's an asset and so you hope it works here but if it doesn't he's an asset who can probably it'll probably work for him somewhere else as is whatever he brings so yeah just gotta gotta wish him well that's for sure i guess i'll ask you guys both too is this the make or break season for Davion in Sacramento? Do you th- do you think that there's a, another season out there, or is are the Kings eyeing their window into uh into the upper levels of the playoffs? Going if Davion can't can't pull it off this year, we need to go get a, a serious backup point guard, and it might be time to ship him out. I think it is. You know, I think it is. Uh, you know, for all those reasons, and the, like you say, the, it's the window. It's okay. The Kings really. It's clear that this team and these uh, general manager and coach, you know, they would like to at some point be a contender for everything. And, uh, and, and that's where they should look at it. And if they can get something that fits a little better, uh, whether it's the old uh, Doug Christie for Corliss Williamson kind of thing. Well, one's not necessarily better than the other, but the other, but fits yep. and makes you, makes you better. They're, they're different. And that's exactly what probably, I mean, I think is a very good chance will happen uh, this year. Tony, what about you? Do you think this is the make or break year for Davion? I think it is the make or break year from the Kings perspective. And I guess that's what matters the most. Cause I think there is, but for me, there's a disconnect between how I feel about Davion and how it seems the Kings <laughs> feel about Davion, where I think Davion is already a pretty good NBA player to Jerry's point. I would have played him in the playoffs a lot more considering he was one of the few Kings who actually showed up in that series for, you know, every minute you put him on the court for the most part. But Mike Brown consistently, whether it was giving the ball to Malik Monk and taking the ball handling duties out of Davion Mitchell's hands all season, he really became, he really lost the backup point guard role to Malik Monk and became like a backup to who was a defender. So the Kings are the ones to me that have this, I guess, lower view of Davion that maybe I do. And, and what do I know? The Kings could certainly be way more right on this than I am. But I think to answer your question, well, I guess I think the Kings probably view it as the make or break year for Davion because they are not seeing something that they want to see. Whereas I think today, right now, Davion is a pretty good NBA player and should, shouldn't have to necessarily be fighting for playoff minutes at this, like when he already plays well. I think he, I think he has graduated from that but I think the Kings don't view him that way yet. So yeah, I think, I think they are looking at it as a make or break year for him. And there's something else they need to see clearly that he's not showing despite, you know, me very much appreciating a lot of his minutes all year. All right. This one's from Akis um, from Aki. It's um, can De'Aaron Fox have an MVP caliber season this season? Well, uh, he could, yeah, he can. I mean, NBA caliber. Now what's his chances? It all depends on the team. You know, I think he's capable of being a 28-point, 7-8 assist guy. And I've said before, I think, uh, you know, in different circumstances, uh, media where, in my mind, he's clearly going to be the best guard in the Sacramento Kings history. Now, I had a couple of people point out, well, he's not better than Oscar Robertson. I I said, well, no, Oscar didn't play for Sacramento that I remember. Uh, (laughs) or Nate Archibald, but I think he can actually pass, has a potential to pass Nate. He hasn't yet, but, but he, he has that potential and that puts you in MVP caliber. And so that, that's all I would say, but I I did want to make that clear for all of you think I was comparing De'Aaron Fox to Oscar Roberts. (laughs) No, I wasn't. I would never. And I shall never. I know who the big O was. Uh, Jerry, there's one guy in an old folks home somewhere that got annoyed over that, and nobody oh, under the age of eighty got mad at you for that comparison. I promise. No, you. no, I don't know. That's exactly right. You know, somebody that actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. is almost as old as me remembers how truly great <laughs> yes. Oscar was. <laughs> yes, kids under twenty five years old, they don't know who Oscar Robertson is. So you, I no. promise you, we are not. No one is mad at you in Sacramento for that okay. one. Okay, 
Thanks. Okay, guys. <laughs> Tony, what about you? Uh, you want to make an outlandish claim like that? Uh, no, I can't speak to Oscar. Rob. Unfortunately, I can't can't speak to the big O. I I think I just think it's awesome that this is the only next step to talk about with Fox at this point. I think that's pretty pretty great. Like he had such a good year last year that the only next conversation we can have about him is is this guy going to be an MVP candidate? Yeah, you know, and as a fan, you have to keep in mind when you start the season, you can talk about guys in the MVP conversation. Well, that's 10 or 12 guys. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, you, uh, Jason Tatum, uh, of course, Embiid, Jokic, but hey, Shea Gilgits Alexander is going to be there, a healthy Kawhi Leonard, uh, maybe Zion Williamson actually plays basketball again, Edwards at Minnesota has been talked about of that caliber, uh, you know, so, and, and there's always Steph and Lori marketing. I mean, you know, he's uh, ringing some bells. So yeah. Uh, now is, is, is there, is De higher than some of those guys? Yeah, I think he is, but, but it, it's, it, it's all about, and I mean, there's, there's clearly some guys that have, have done more with their career right now. And so they would be ahead of him. And uh, but the fact he would have to be mentioned, and that's kind of to Tony's point, he has to be mentioned if you're talking about guys uh, that could be viewed as potential uh, MVPs. I guess, I guess I got to mention too, because the Kings truly are a binary star system here. Um, we can go the other side of this can, can Demonis Sabonis win an MVP this season, or will those two guys always draw votes from one another? where it's like it's hard to debate which one is more important, the 29-point-per-game score or the guy who's nearly averaging a triple-double. Can Sabonis be in that same conversation as an MVP caliber uh, guy? You know, I, I really don't think so. Uh, I mean, I think probably the year season that uh, Domas had last year, I don't believe he can improve on that. I mean, it, he can do different things a little better. But, I mean, you know, the 19 points a game, 12 rebounds, 60% shooting, uh, you know, just to be in the leader that he was, you know, give me that every year for five years and, and be a top 10 in the voting for, you know, for uh, most valuable. And I think he, you know, and I think that's what you're going to get, but I think uh, Fox has the ability to go higher. And then plus Domas is always going to be compared to Jokic and Embiid and, you know, and he's going to come up short uh, at a couple of the frontline guys and maybe Davis, if, you know, he plays 65, 70 games someday before I die. Tony, what about you? Maybe I'm reading too much into this, or I just listened to too many NBA podcasts from people who have things like MVP votes. Um, but I feel like Sabonis is going to have a hard time this year cracking that conversation again, just because the conversation around him right now is so focused on the Warrior series and what Looney did to take him out and the fact that he doesn't have a shot. And I And he had such a good year last year. He had all that momentum behind him with turning the Kings around. And, you know, just proving that that trade was not a bad trade for the Kings. It was such a huge win of a season that with the narrative around him right now being somewhat negative based on this playoff series, he's going to have to do something legendary that I don't even know that he would be capable of to kind of flip the script so quick again and have him back in those MVP conversations like he kind of was last season. So I think that's probably unfair, but the the mood around Sabonis is not not too high right now after that playoff series. So fair or unfair, I feel like he's going to have a hard time cracking those conversations again. Yeah, I got a prediction for you. I don't think statistically he'll be as good this year as last year uh, in the regular season, which is what the most valuable player was about and why he was voted very highly and deservedly so. Uh, but I'll predict that he'll be much better in the playoffs, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, that's, that's, that's a bigger deal as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. Okay. Last question here for this, uh, for this section. Um, how will the Kings fill their final roster spot? Pick somebody, I guess. <laughs> Tyree you have any, comeback, you have any hopes, Jerry, any dream players that you want? Not to still available. No. <laughs> for that no really i mean it's, it's like come on no no i think you know if anything you kind of want to keep that flexible obviously yeah. and and you know and of course I, i'd like you know i mean you know you wonder about some guys that currently under contract you know will they get a play more in my mind like keon ellis uh uh you know i i think there's a real player there 
And, uh, you know, whether it's going to be here or somewhere else, but at some point, uh, you know, you know, when you're looking down at the, at the very bottom like that, uh, yeah, you're not going to get Kevin Durant there. You're just not. <laughs> Tony, what about you? Do you have any, uh, do you have any dream players outside of Tyree Kevin's? Uh, no, but I will use this spot to mention the Bano Udry situation where he was uh, a late training camp cut out of San Antonio. And that's what I'm looking for, for this, this uh, last roster spot. So come back to me in a couple of weeks and players start getting cut. And I'm sure I'll have a favorite of the guys who didn't quite make rosters elsewhere. Cause good guys, good guys get cut before training camp every year. Who was it? Um, was Isaiah Joe a couple of years ago or, uh, who got cut and then got picked up and had a pretty good year. So this happens. And, uh, so I'll save my guests until, training camp cuts start happening yeah and there's you know the gabe vincents of the world i mean there's you know there's the max Struss. there's guys yep. like that you know that and so you know you know that's why i don't think you should worry about it i mean i think the coaches general manager if there's somebody strikes or fancy that's kind of why you'd like to keep spot open all right well that wraps up our 30 uh, our 30 cues for uh for this particular podcast episode we're going to roll over to commercial break and we'll be right back Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from TexLogix. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m or visit them online 24-7, www.sacelect.com. Okay, Tony, it's been a little while. It's your turn, though. What's the Patreon question of the day for us? Thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can submit questions at patreon.com slash kingsherald or on the website or on Twitter. Uh, every question that you guys submit will get asked eventually, whether it's here on the main show or on the Patreon exclusive show, which we record once a month where we ask all the leftover questions. We already talked a little bit about De'Aaron Fox, but I thought this would be a good time to check in on this debate. Uh, King Stan 916 asks, putting all the baggage aside, who would you rather have right now, De'Aaron Fox or John Morant? That's a great question. And and if you had asked me that a couple of years ago, I'd have said John Moran. Yep. Uh, that's my opinion. But now I would definitely say De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I think I think De'Aaron is uh, obviously it's better fit for teammates. Uh, you know, I don't know. Talent wise, it's a close call. Uh, but but I think it is a close call. I really do. I mean, I think defensively, De'Aaron's got so he can defend better. Uh, he's really not as ball dominant, as needy as uh, Morant is. And I just think from building a team around a star type, I, I think, you know, De'Aaron Fox is, I, I just feel like you're going to be happier with him going forward. Will, this is a, uh, this is a tough one. Yeah, I don't know. The the putting the baggage aside is that's a that's a that's a lot of baggage. No, I want to include the that's baggage. That's a really heavy. That's like, would I rather get <laughs> yeah. shot? That or... might fill up. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. might fill up the baggage claim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Putting the baggage aside, would you rather own a grenade or an apple orchard? Like, I don't know, man. That's a, there's, a, there's a lot of a lot to consider here. Um, I think Jerry. No, I think Jerry's right on the head. A couple of years ago, Fox was playing with Halliburton. You could see Halliburton kind of gaining steam and the momentum of like the fan consciousness in terms of who's going to be leading this team, who who might have more star potential. Fox was kind of dragging his feet. He had that weird start to the season before Halliburton got traded. And I would have said John Morant in a second. And now after last season, not considering any baggage, I, I think, I think Fox, I think Fox has narrowed that gap enough to where we're in the margin of error. And, and I would, I'd rather Fox just, he's one clutch player of the year. He is, I think he, he he's probably a little healthier. Uh, he just does enough for me now that I'm like, all right, no, it's it's Fox. I, he, he always wanted it to be Fox, and I'm sure I've argued on Twitter multiple times about it being Fox, even when Heart of Hearts knew it was probably John Morant. And now it's close enough that I'm like, no, it's, it it is Fox. So I I'm sticking with Fox on that one. Man, I don't know how to answer this question. We can't all just say De'Aaron. 
Aaron Fox, can we? Yes, yes, we can. Yeah, this, yeah. Is a King, this is a Kings podcast. You can do I that am, if you want. I, I'm taking Fox, but I I don't know where you guys landed on this. I am definitely taking the baggage when I say De'Aaron Fox. And that's not to say that I think Morant is like a horrible person and he's never going to figure it out. Maybe he does. Maybe he's fine. I would actually, odds are that Morant will be fine and he will be a good player for Memphis for a lot of years. I'll just, I think just removing the risk is enough to tip the scales in kind of the Fox direction for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to me, and I'm glad he didn't ask it because it'd been a tougher question in my mind. uh, If it asked Shea Gilgis Alexander, Yes, De'Aaron Fox. I, I think that's a, you know, that's a, a push any way you want to go. I think, as as the OKC stand of this podcast, Jerry, I am I agree with you. It's close enough that I don't want to answer that question, even in my heart. No, no, don't have to. <laughs> you don't what, have to. Wasn't what, asked. We yeah, don't have asked. to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Jerry, let's go to you over there for the uh, Reynolds wrap-up. Well, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, uh, really is kind of trying to get some things done as far as load management, mm-hmm. where players, you know, are expected to place, you know, more games to be involved with uh, awards and such, uh, which I thought was a, I don't know if it's going to work, but but I, I really appreciate him trying. And I think he he he's on the right track. And I think he is feeling the customers because this is something that's going the wrong way for the league or it has been. And uh, they, you know, too many good things about the NBA to, to, to be drawn down with this load management. Now, the only thing that disappoints me, honestly, uh, Players Association should have jumped in on this as well. This is, uh, this is who they represent. And they're the ones that, uh, by you know they should be encouraged to, to play and honor the contracts that you signed that's all it's a strange concept but i know i'm you know i'm, I'm old school but uh <laughs> i can remember when guys really felt that way if they could trot out there and play 82 even if they were hurt some of the time and and i don't and i've said many times that that uh it probably went to an extreme when i first came to the league where guys probably played when they shouldn't have but that's that's a better problem to have than guys who who are you know where you have guys going out there finding ways to get on the court when they're hurt as opposed to guys finding ways to get off the court when they're not really hurt well that'll be it for uh for the king's herald show um before we leave, actually, I want to um, wish a happy uh, and fond farewell to uh, Brendan Nunes, who was a longtime writer and contributor to the Kings Herald, who has recently announced that he's uh, moving over to a uh, Sacktown Sports 1140. Uh, he's going to be a full-time writer and editor over there. Uh, Brendan's uh, uh, he was an integral part of our of our staff for a long time. He's a fantastic writer. He is just at the beginning of his career. Um, all the well wishes in the world for Brendan. So uh, congratulations to Brennan for getting a, a full-time gig in, in a spot where he absolutely belongs. Um, outside of that, guys, we're done. We're out of here. Well, Brendan, Brendan will do well. And thanks, guys. Yeah. I really, it's great to be back in the saddle. Great Amen. to be back in the saddle. Tony, go to sleep, man. You look like you need it. Well, I got to edit this podcast first, and then I'll go to bed. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Thanks for everyone here at, at the King Herald. We'll see you guys next time.